Hello cult hackers and welcome to the podcast. I'm Celine, a media graduate with an interest in cults. And I'm her dad. I'm Stephen Mather. I'm an organisational psychologist these days, but I was raised in a high control group or cult. And um, it's a very special episode today. So we have some of our dearest friends, some of our patrons to the podcast, um, and we're going to be talking about friendship. But um, first of all, I just want to introduce you to everybody. Welcome, Vincent. Thank you. I'm Vincent, and I'm from England in the UK. And you were you were a former Jehovah's Witness, but going back quite a while when you were a young lad, I believe. Yes, uh, yes, it's uh, it's a very long time. I suppose about every fifteen to twenty years, somebody tries to um, encourage me to come back. You know, oh. sort of. But um, yeah, I mean, there's been lots of other waters flown under the bridge. Mm since then great thank you vincent so uh welcome to the podcast um and we've also got riley riley welcome to the podcast hey everyone um i was an extra overs witness for 42 years unfortunately wow. <laughs> and i uh left the organization in 2019 thank you very much and most of our listeners will know riley from your own youtube channel the jexit channel so um thank you very much for joining us today and also a patron of, of ours so we really appreciate that thanks uh riley um okay and we've also got marianne marianne would you like to introduce yourself please yes hi i'm marianne i'm from the states in the great state of new jersey and i also am a former jehovah's witness i left back in uh 1986 great thank you marianne it's great to have you and tanya Hi, I'm Tanya, and I'm from New Zealand, and I left the Jehovah's Witnesses in 2001 for the second time, so I'm very glad I was not stupid enough to go back again. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, it's uh, great to have you. Well done for, for leaving. Um, excellent. And um, Regina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, I'm from Oregon. Um, we've been a Jehovah's Witness um, almost 50 years. I left about oh. two years ago officially. Wow. Thank you very much. Good to have you on the pod. And Scott. I'm Scott Holman from the States. And yeah, I run the Witness Underground podcast and made the film. Happy to be a patron of the Cult Hackers podcast. Fantastic. Thank you, Scott. Great. Okay. Well, it's great to have everybody. Really appreciate um, we're calling this the Patreon or patron takeover, which is great fun, but we, we're not just going to chat. So we, we have something to talk about. And when we were talking about doing this, um, it was Tanya really, who I think it was you, Tanya, who came up with the, the theme. So uh, I'll let you introduce just what, what it is we're talking about and say whatever you want to about it. So what is our topic today, Tanya? Our topic today is friendship because one of the things that I've always been fascinated by is that when you've been in a cult or high control group where you are only allowed to be friends with people inside that organisation, um, when you leave, you virtually know no one outside the cult um, unless you've, um, you know, got some work colleagues or you um you know, you've known some people through through school or unless, like myself, you weren't born into it. So the thing is how to um, how to make friends um, and also how to how – to, how to, the thing I found for me was examining my behaviour. For example, how could I make friends without love-bombing everybody because that's what I was taught to do in the cult. So, yeah, mm. that's the topic, just exploring yeah. what, what happens in – in the outside world when we try to make friends right that's a great uh, way of uh, introducing the topic so yeah i'm interested in i suppose um two areas personally one is is friendships inside the organization and although we're all xjw's here um we want to make sure that our conversation is relevant to others and i think it will be um because they all operate in a similar way of course all, all these types of groups so what what's it like what are friendships like within the organization and then what are friendships like afterwards and making new ones and and also those friends that we may uh lose those friendships we might lose so as there's a heck of a lot to talk about so who wants to kick us off um if you just sort of raise your hand um and then i can go to you um specifically so who wants to start with this question of 
um, friendship and the challenges when you're leaving a high control group? Um, yeah, I think just making friends initially is a, is a really big challenge because um, as Tanya mentioned before, uh, being a Jehovah's Witness, especially if you're raised as one, you only have friends within uh, your congregation or local congregations. So it's sort of like a ready-made group of friends. So you don't get to develop that skill of making friends from scratch. So, um, yeah, that uh, that's that's a real big challenge. Yeah. Um, I, I, the raising the hand thing, let's not do that. Um, it felt too much like a book study group. So um, it suddenly <laughs> I'm occurred sorry. to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, I, I asked you to do it. And then I thought to myself, Oh no, no! I sound. I just felt I was like the book study conductor. Um, so let's not do I that. Immediately had flashbacks. <laughs> yes. So I, I was doing it because I thought, well, let's not have people talking over each other. But I, I prefer that actually than making it feel like a book study. Pause when nobody wants to answer. Yeah, there's that as well. But we, we that's okay. We can sort it out. So yeah, let's just open it up. So tell us, um, anybody else, what do you think about friendships? I think they're very hard to make sometimes mm. because, you know, how we all grew up, I think most of us grew up in it. It was expected that you were just everybody's friend. You didn't have to work for it. Mm. But when you're out in the real world, there's there's a lot more give and take. There's a lot more effort that has to be put into it to actually make a, a, a friend of someone who actually wants to continue um, in the friendship. So that that's definitely been for me, the hardest thing, even though I've been out for quite some time. I think there's and something that's a value to any religious organization, and maybe that's the why they still exist all over the world um, in some form or another, is that when you walk in the door, there's a community that will probably be nice to you and you probably will make friends in, or at least when you're in, they will like treat you with kindness. Mm -hmm. And and that's something really valuable that I don't think is is a given kind of in any other community or any other part of society that like religion still has a value with that. And it's, it's like a easy, it's yeah. Like I think like Marion said, it's a bit easier to just to have that expectation and it, and it be fulfilled. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Isn't it? And it is, as you say, one of the reasons why people go to church, why they still are members of, of religious groups, of course, with, with cultic groups that the relationships are often exclusive really. So you don't, you know, you're not encouraged to make friends outside. Uh, listeners who are ex-Jehovah's Witnesses will will remember all those talks about bad associations, spoiling useful habits as you're growing up. So, you know, don't, don't have friends in the world. Uh, do you think there's an issue with trust post-leaving? So from your perspective of, you know, what a few of you have said around the expectation that everyone will be your friend and you don't necessarily know not everyone gets on with everyone in a group that's just slung together um but you kind of have to um so i don't know like the double-sidedness when you're in the group anyway of uh, we have to get along so we have to but then also met with so if if that's un the undercurrent anyway then you leave and everyone cuts you off does that kind of affect trust like that kind of intersection i think you're right Celine, because you have you know, had a lot of friendships that are very conditional. Um, you, you might be very close to someone, but the thing is, you know, this person is my friend as long as I remain one of the people in this organisation. So when, for, for example, for me, when I was out of it, um, I kind of wondered when I met people what their agenda was and whether they were a safe person to, um, you know, to get to know and whether it would just take one little thing for this person not to want to be a friend. So that that is something I still grapple with, you know, 20, 22 years after leaving. It's definitely hard, um, you know, because when you were in it, if the person wasn't a, a fellow JW, you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know, this person isn't going to make it through Armageddon. So, you know, mm do I really want to be this person's friend or, you know, do I feel comfortable trying to convert them? You always have that in the back of your mind. So now when you're, when you're out, you know, you're kind of left kind of bare, you know, here you are trying to interact with someone and you don't know whether it's going to go well, if they're going to be receptive, there's just a lot, you know, 
to it. And I, and it's, it is a difficult thing to do. And I think we, we probably give it more thought than the average person would, would give it. Mm. Yeah. I, I remember, um, when I was, when I left, I went through a period where, um, I, I mean, I can say this cause I'm with friends. Um, but <laughs> I, I think I was a bit desperate. I, I think I came across a bit desperate and weird, but I kind of wanted to hang out with everybody. So, you know, I wanted mm-hmm. to, um, and if they went to the pub without me, you know, I'd feel a bit hurt. Or if, um, if they were doing something that I wasn't involved in, I'd feel a bit hurt. Does anybody else sort of experience the, how do you do it thing? You know, Scott said, it's kind of, it's like it, you've got this, this thing that it, you don't, Oh, was it Marianne? So you don't have to work for it. It's just very, mm-hmm. it's very much there. It's, um, you know, you've got these brothers and sisters all over the world, um and you've got friends in whatever city you go to and all of a sudden you've got nobody definitely I was you know the same um just felt uh, you know because I I left and my family was still in it um so yeah whenever I met people if they didn't want to hang out long I just feel that sense of abandonment all over Mm. again and I'm sure I turned some people off me because of how needy I was at the time to have company. Yeah, I, I went through a similar thing. Um, mm. I say similar because it wasn't necessarily with with platonic friendships. I mean, that I, I left the religion shortly after my first marriage ended, and um, <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing. But I went on a complete dating frenzy almost immediately afterwards. I mean, I was married at twenty one. Um, it was the first like serious relationship that I was in so I was like a kid like a teenager all over again Mm. um but I wasn't dating to find a relationship um but I think maybe I tried a bit too hard to maintain long-term friendships with the people that I was seeing and I'm certain that it came across as a a bit weird um (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) what you said just reminded me yeah I mean, I, I'd go out to nightclubs. So by this time, I was in my mid-30s, really, I would say. So I was, I'd was i be going out to nightclubs with, with the friends from work. And, um, you know, I'd be dancing um, on the podium, um, just going absolutely mad. I absolutely loved it. You know, it was like completely, I think I just lost my mind, really. But it was it was that how do you sort of find identity and just have fun and also yeah the the, the feeling of um, finding friends I, I find it very very difficult um i did make some friends during that period some of whom i'm still very close with and so you know you do manage it so maybe that's something to say to any um leavers of cr- uh, groups of cults that you know this if you're feeling that way that's a kind of natural thing this time of year as well it can be really really difficult um because you notice mm-hmm. that all the other people seem to have friendships and families that get together and so on. And so uh, maybe we should make that point that we, we kind of have experienced that, that you do get through it. My parents joined the religion and tried to raise us in it, but we're sort of like half in, right. not really taking it that seriously. So my mom always encouraged us to maintain our friendships and make friendships at school. And if we okay. have them to like value them and don't throw them away despite what the church was saying or what they're saying at the Mm. Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall because there was a conflict like well I have friends but I'm not supposed to have these kinds of friends but there aren't any witnesses my age but like my dad's trying to get us to meet witnesses and so I had this like duality through my teenage years Mm. but I made friends and they were based on um, shared interests so skateboarding snowboarding playing music and other kinds of things you might do in a small town where there's not a lot going on but a lot of nature sports and stuff so I did those kinds of things with those friends and um, had a great time. So when I, but when I was in the religion, I also treated people in a similar way. Like I kind of only made friends um, based on shared interest in the religion because I had only that as my like solid mm. background. And so when I left the religion, I was like, well, okay, I don't, first of all, I'm, I wasn't close to most of those people. And it was like my seventh or eighth kingdom hall in, in five years. Mm. So I was like, also didn't know them that well, but I was like such a deep, breath of fresh air to just go meet new people i was mm-hmm. like oh finally i can just go make normal friends again <laughs> like i used to have <laughs> and it was very hard to navigate the jehovah's witness friendship world because it's based on so many conditional things like if you don't go in service enough 
we won't hang out with you. You won't get invited to the thing. Or if you, yeah. if you someone's got a rumor, like you won't get invited to that party and you'll know you're not invited. You'll know it happened because everyone will talk um, about it. That's very anyway, interesting. So it's fresh about the fresh air. And I, so I went and made friends with musicians and I started playing music again. And it was sort of, I went back to what was working while I was in the religion as like a coping mechanism and a way to stay sane in the religion was music. So I, okay, I'm going to go make friends with that. And that, that actually worked really well. And I mean, I was, I was doing some, like you said, like I had some very awkward moments where I was like, well, I don't have anyone. So I'm going to go all in on this group. <laughs> and then it was like a little bit too much drinking, a little bit too much partying, a little bit too much, you know, drunk in public type situations. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like it was, I was having the time of my life and it felt good to sort of catch up. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of us can identify with that. Uh, Regina, have you got any thoughts on what, what, what's your perspective? Somebody who's sort of not been out that long, really? Yeah, I I made um my friends I I transferred over to my my work friends. So um right. I think coming from the witnesses and and stuff I think I had a tendency to just assume that that the team that I worked on like you know everyone was friends because you know witnesses everyone's friends so your team at work everybody's got to be friends and mm. so you know you start to realize oh wait maybe they're they're not quite as not, they're not quite as close as I I thought they were. But um, but I have found a group of people that, and I've turned into turned to um, former workmates that I, when I worked with them, I really wanted to be their friend, and I I kept them at arm's length mm. because of the the religion. So I called them up and invited them to lunch, and and so I've um, kindled friendships that way by going to past people and and inviting them to lunch and just um, keeping up with relationships that I've made at my current job. So it's helped a lot. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah. I'm not thought of doing that. Yeah. Those people that you'd always kind of wish you could hang out with, um, you now can. Um, yeah, yeah exactly. Great. Yeah. Something that Celine mentioned earlier unlocked a memory for me. Which, uh, Celine mentioned about the dynamics within friend, friend groups. Not everybody will necessarily like everyone else to the same mm. level. And um, when I started secondary school, there was one uh, boy from my primary school who went to the same secondary school as me. And there was also one boy from my congregation who started the same secondary school. So I thought to myself, great, the three of us can be can all be friends. But the two of them absolutely hated each other. <laughs> they didn't get along at all. And I found it really, really difficult to navigate that, that situation because... I'm used to, you know, a background where everyone is friends, you know, mm -hmm. everyone in the group is friends with each other and it just has to be that way. Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't understand why it wasn't that way. And it, it was a really difficult situation to deal with. And what, what are your thoughts, Vincent? You've, um, you've, you've been quite sagely uh, listening to, uh, to everyone. Have you got any observations as somebody who you st I noticed you, you do still, from time to time, you kind of mischievously like to attend <laughs> um, uh, meetings and even have Bible studies and things like that. So you, you've you got your finger on the pulse. What's your sort of observations around this sort of thing? Yes, I think my experience is a bit different from other people's here. Uh, I mean, always, I've, as a person, forget mm. about being a witness or anything, I've always found relationships difficult and uh, particularly long-term ones. Um and I'm never quite sure how to take people and other people are not quite sure how to take me. It's a bit like, you know, like you see a, a, a dog and it's, it seems friendly and you sort of go up and, and they go, it's a bit like that. But um, yeah, I had friends in the sort of in the congregate. Well, they tried to, they thought of me as a very sort of staid and, and stuffy sort of person. Hmm. Witnesses thought I was, you right. know, they, and the the they tried to draw me out of myself this is, and mm -hmm. uh, get me to be a bit more joke you know they used to sort of tell jokes and things like that so yeah i mean like kind of uh, you're right you've got certain people that you're kind of made to be friends with um but you really don't have much in common uh, except the religion but then there were other people that, um, you know, other teenagers that I did have, you know, and um, when you leave, um, you see, not, nobody's ever shunned me. I mean, they, they, mm. none of my 
none of my uh, old witness, uh, you know, the people that I, you, they've never cold shouldered me. They're always very pleased to see me. Mm. I'm not quite sure why, you know, because um, you're supposed to be kicked out if you don't attend the meetings. That's it. You're supposed to be chucked out and that's it. But they've never done that for some reason. Yeah, you, you're you're kind of not quite sure what friendship means and how deep Mm. Uh, you know, how much do I want to be mm -hmm. in this person's pocket? How much do I, um, you know, uh, and I mean, you know, I have one friend, um, she's actually a, a sort of evangelical Christian. We've known each other for about, goodness, uh, th th we, we, we don't agree on, we, you know, lots of things, but, you know, we've just, I mean, she knows absolutely everything about me. Um, uh, you know, she's the one person I've bared my soul mm and told her absolutely everything, warts and all. Mm. Um, so that's probably a, a proper friendship because it, a friend is not someone you want to be putting on an act towards. You you want to feel relaxed and not to feel you've, you, you've got to be uh, somebody different from yourself. Yeah. But as I say, I mean, it was very awkward and it still is a little bit that um, when I left, I had, you know, I was at university, I, was, uh, I had people I knew from you know they mm. were kind and friendly and that sort of thing um and so I had kind of friends on both sides of the campus it, it were and um I used, what I used to worry about was well if one met the other and would there be a sort of chemical explosion you know like <laughs> um, you know yeah. if you pour um, sulfuric acid on you know that's that's what always used to worry me and I uh, but but um yeah, I would say it's more to do with me, my difficulty um, making uh, deep relationships with people than anything to do with actually being in a cult. Um, we've we've interviewed people who have actually talked about feeling quite lonely as a Jehovah's Witness, you know. So I think um, if you don't if you don't sort of fit the mold of the, and we all know what that mold looks like, you know, for yeah. the for the brother. Um, reaching out, you know, good answers at the Kingdom Hall, good at giving talks and, um, mm. you know, th there's a certain aura around them and then the sisters, there's certain, a certain thing that you're, and, and if you don't fit that, um, that sort of stereotype, I think that people do struggle. I, I remember uh, youngsters, young people and others in the Kingdom Hall who really did seem to struggle to make friends within the organization. I mean, people were friendly with them, but they didn't seem to, they were quite lonely or they seemed quite lonely figures. Um, and that's, I think partly because not everybody fits that, that sort of stereotype. I was going to ask um, another question really. Um, so uh, the, the model of friendship that the organization sort of puts before you is based on interpretations of the Bible often. So um, for, for a start, we've got, you know, having Jehovah as your friend, which that's a big um, play at the moment. You know, are you Jehovah's friend for children? And I, I think that's an absolutely terrifying concept. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but um, I don't want to be friends with Jehovah. He seems a very terrifying character. Um, and then there's also like friendships in the Bible, things like um, Jonathan and David, um, Esther and Ruth. Um these examples of friendship never really rang any sort of truths for me. I don't know whether anybody else has any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think the Jehovah thing was terrifying. Mm. Um, he, he certainly wasn't he, more of an authority figure than someone you felt you could have a special relationship with, although many claimed to feel like they had a relationship with him, but I never felt mm. that ever in my life. That's for sure. And I, always felt that the examples in the Bible were just unattainable for me. Mm. Thinking about um, having a personal friendship with Jehovah, I, I never ever felt like I did. Mm. In fact, as a child, not so much more, not so much as I got older, but as a child, I found Jehovah way more terrifying than Satan. Yeah. Mm. yeah. He, he was really, really scary to me. Yeah, I mean, a friend that um, that you have to do everything they tell you to do and that will kill you if you <laughs> don't, that's not a great basis for a friendship. That's not the sort of friends I want, you know? You think? <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts around friendships that you've lost? So that's one thing that we haven't talked about yet. Um, 
losing people how did that work when you left the organization for anybody any any thoughts on that after i left years ago i heard um i heard rumors that a friend of mine i'd been very close to had left um but she'd also since changed her last name and i've always wondered if she's out there somewhere and you know because it's it's interesting that the people that i really did feel close to um some of them also did eventually leave mm. and because i always liked i i always liked debating things and i loved it when i fi- found people in in the organization that also liked to debate things and you know i think yeah i just wonder sometimes about the people i knew about that left and you know whether they're out there somewhere where mm. remembering me too so i don't have i don't have to mention names i mean if anyone mm. hears this that recognizes me they they might then be able to go looking for me themselves <laughs> yeah and if, if anybody wants to contact us at, here at cult hackers we can forward that on Thank you for listening to Cult Hackers, an indie podcast. That means we're not part of a big media organization with huge advertising budgets and massive reach. So just by listening to this, you're supporting the little guy. The hardest thing for us is not content. We love recording episodes and talking to amazing and interesting people. Now, by far the hardest thing is getting in front of the potential millions of listeners out there with millions of podcasts scrambling for attention. And here's where you can help simply by telling people about the podcast. Just telling somebody about it can really help. You can share an episode on social media or private messaging using your app, or on some apps you can leave a rating, and better still, say a few words. So please help us get cult hackers in front of more people. And now, back to the podcast. People that you used to know in it that also left, Yeah, they might not be looking for you but like 60 percent or more of people leave eventually like it's a yeah. really low retention rate in yeah. each religion so chances are some of your really close friends at some point in your past are also out and just yeah. they don't they didn't think to look for you they might think you're still in or yeah i don't know it's interesting like how do we find them and how do we it'd be cool to connect i'm glad to think i'm glad to know i mean that i'm not the only one that's thought about that you know uh mm. There was a couple people that I remember again. Won't mention any names. Where they uh, one one in particular was disfellowship, and I just remember um, when he would come back to the, you know you know how they always would sit in the back when they were disfellowship, and I was just always one of those people that didn't care and would would give a a, a wink or a nod or a smile or something because mm-hmm. I just couldn't be that person, and I'm wondering now that I I don't have you know as you know I've been out a while so. It would, you know, would come back to me like, I wonder if that person ever did realize, you know, this is not the truth. This is just a, a man-made thing and how they're doing now. I would, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one that's thought those. Yeah. Uh, and Vincent's put a, a note in, Vincent. I didn't know so many were leaving. So that re- references your comment, Scott. Um, yeah, I, I don't know whether you want to follow up on that, Scott, um, that, 60 percent i mean is Uh, that is that a data that you have or is that um i don't remember reading it myself but uh, i think ryan sutter that he's co-hosted my show a bunch he mentioned it as a stat from pew research i think but i don't don't quote me on that but something like 32 percent or something of of people stay in their whole lives Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. far lower than most other religions yeah as i recall the information being given to me yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's that was my um, that's the reference that I've used in the past. Um, I couldn't remember the number, but I know that Jehovah's Witnesses go come top of the table or bottom, depending how you want to describe it. Um, in <laughs> terms of you know losing their members, so they they are uh, very bad at keeping them. So yeah, that's um, that's right. So yeah, you can guarantee that a lot of the people that you knew from your congregation will will now be will have left. Um, so yeah, it's it's a kind of I has anybody got any stories about that? So you know, just sort of finding out, reconnecting. Right, Riley, you nodded there. Yeah. So after I left, uh, not not even after I left, after I woke up, I I went on a like a mission to like try and find people that I was close to that were that either left or were disfellowshipped, and I learned a huge lesson after doing that it was it, it hit me like a 
a blow to the head. And it was that not everyone who is out of the organization has woken up. Mm-hmm. And, and and that was a really difficult lesson for me to learn because after finding out all of these things about the organization and all the lies that they've told and all of the whitewashing of their history and all of the mm-hmm. scandals, I just assumed that everybody goes through that process and that people who have been out for far longer than me will know everything that I know and more. And that just wasn't the case. You know, I reconnected with some people who who I really was looking forward to reconnecting with and was so pleased to have found them and got back in touch with them, only for them to turn around and shun me <laughs> or, oh, wow. or, or keep me at arm's length because even though they were disfellowshipped or faded, they saw me as an apostate. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> and it, that was just like so strange to me. And But I, I, I'll, I'm glad that I went through that process because now, I'm a lot more wary and a lot more cautious. I'd, I, if I reconnect with someone, I won't automatically or immediately start sharing with them everything mm-hmm. that I've learned about the organization or what my position is on certain matters. I'll just be glad that we're now back in touch. Every Okay, so I've traveled a lot and like lived in other countries, but I've like popped back into the States to a similar town where I went to school in, in Boulder, Colorado, Denver. And I had a group of friends there, like I mentioned earlier, that right when I left, I did the music thing and then I met all these people and I had developed all these like new friendships. But then I left and I was gone for like half a year or a year, but then I came back. But I reconnected with a lot of those people, but the community that I had thought I was carving out or whatever had had changed. And those relationships had then also changed. And so the dynamic that we had before no longer existed. And then I went away again and I came back to that same city. But that in that second phase, I kind of made new friends that were relevant to that time period. And then when I came back, then I had like, okay, I had a community one and then I had <laughs> community two and I was reconnecting with those people, but it was different again in the third time. And then there was a fourth time and there was a fifth time. And every single time I had completely different relationships with those people or they didn't exist any those relationships weren't there anymore or someone had moved away. And I, th- I kind of realized I think just from having those like punctuated moments that that's the nature of humanity and, and in community is that it will always change. Mm -hmm. And it's not that people are leaving you or abandoning you or abandoning the relationship. It's just different time, different priorities, different people. And you really can't even develop that many super strong, deep, like uh, Vincent mentioned, bearing your soul to this Mm -hmm. evangelical Christian friend of his, like those are valuable, amazing friendships, but that might not last for a whole lifetime it might be just that summer or that year or something or that time when you work together and then once it's over, it's over. And a lot of people don't like to do the long distance or the long period of time thing. They want a regular, stable type of a relationship that's weekly or reg- something local. And as soon as that situation's over, that relationship sort of fades away. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. There's an opportunity then to go meet other people but it took a while to like get used to that ebb and flow outside of the religion. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Selene, one of the things that you've often talked about and um, we, we keep threatening to talk about mm. um, on, on the pod is, um, is the difference between uh, male experience and, and female experience and mm. whether, you know, cause there, there has been talk about certainly in the UK, but I think it's elsewhere too, that men, possibly struggle to make friendships or that's at least the claim and then other people say they're just different and so i don't know what what your sort of questions are about that might might be quite interesting because we've got a mix obviously Mm -hmm. here in in the in the room it's something that i bring up a lot in the sense there is a lot of uh, studies around like male loneliness being much more common in i think uk and us in terms of like and i think some of the studies go around like kind of at school there's these built-in communities like clubs and sports and stuff and you have those places and then when you go into work it's harder to build those connections um i think in some ways you saw that maybe with mum when you guys left in that mum was taking me to school primarily and all the mums made friends of each other so a lot of mum's key friendships come from that period of time Mm. and they kind of banded together and had their group when it kind of happened in that natural circumstantial way like i think you're kind of saying scott where like you make friends sometimes with within a phase of life or what's happening at that time. And maybe it was more difficult. Like you were saying, you kind of felt like you were having to like really work for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe not everyone else was working for it and wanting it. You you kind of putting on yourself as 
um as maybe like feeling a bit desperate but maybe it's just like you were putting in the effort <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um and so i guess yeah maybe just talking about the difference that people maybe feel or if they've noticed that yeah i think i did i think on both both sides i've noticed some people just have the knack of um connecting with people maybe because they're very outgoing or um something with their personality or just some people just have that that you know je ne sais quoi thing that just people want to gravitate towards you know and there's others of us that have to have to kind of just to pick up the uh the scraps left behind i guess you know <laughs> and just do our, our our best but yeah no i um but yeah i definitely think that um with guys like we were talking about this we had a party last night that we went to and we were like, what are those guys talking about around the fire outside and it was mostly sports you know, things like that. And yet the ladies in my room, we were talking more about our relationships and things that were, you know, very important to us. So um, I hate to generalize, but it does seem like, you know, for guys, there maybe there is a little bit more of a wall that's put up maybe than on the female side. I, I don't know what the gentlemen in this room think about that, but maybe they can comment on mm. it if they want to. So, so music was your thing, Scott. Um, so that that that's yeah. the that's the link that you've got with with people. That's the thing that you're able to connect with. Um, yeah, maybe international travel and like yeah. exploring. Mm. I think for myself, um, I think a lot of my friendships. So in the organisation, the friendships were I'd, I'd grown up with those people. So they were they were childhood friends essentially, and. Um, they were friends because they were Jehovah's Witnesses and we'd play football together and we'd um, go on the ministry together and go to quick builds together. So they were all either because they were childhood friends uh, as Jehovah's Witnesses or we were doing JW activities. So that was that was my friendships. But I think um, the, the other friends that I would meet as a Jehovah's Witness, I'd... I'd kind of take a mentoring type role a lot of the time. So I, I felt like it, I was um, always there to help. Um, and I think that made my friendships a bit. Can I just chip in? Just yeah, say, please. Yeah. Um, this feeling of being able to give to someone else and give to others. I mean, it's very, very important to me, but um, <laughs> I think the i mean i find a lot of people very patronizing and i mean you know when i was in the uh in the organization my parents weren't really all that interested in it and um you know so everybody was trying to sort of um, look after me and Mm. uh, bring me along um and i still feel that you know having left people still do that a lot to me you know, they feel I need to be sorted out. And, and I think they think they're being friendly and helpful. And I find it immensely irritating. Mm. And it makes me thoroughly dislike them, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, there's there's something about um, people trying to, oh, look, he's, he's lonely. He needs some, he needs some help. He, nobody kind of wants that, do they? And so, Mm-mm. you know, sometimes it's nice to be on your own as well. That's, that's the other facet for it, I suppose. Yes, actually they did read uh, just the other day, a, a little item on the radio of the bliss of solitude. Mm. Uh, it was professor Weinstein of, I can't remember which university anyway, she'd done this study and, actually being lonely is very I, I i tell you i found the lockdown marvelous i did yeah i, was I loved so it happy. i was more happy than i've ever been vincent so did i it was wonderful <laughs> the world was think... slow enough for me to cope with for a while yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, obviously, the the lots of death and um, horrible things. Oh well, yes. That aside, um, the, <laughs> yeah. um, we'll park that for a minor moment. detail. Yeah. But um, yeah, it it. But actually, that was something I had to worry about because I I felt that I could quite easily, um, just spend every day in my pajamas and um, <laughs> and just Finally live my the life. the end of the world, just what we've been waiting for. What, what exactly. We for. Well, yeah, exactly. We knew how to cope with it. Yeah, we were, we'd, we'd been trained for that. I got one for you. So you brought up this feeling of wanting to, or being, being in a mentor role as a mm. witness. Mm. 
I had this experience over the last few years um, living in a new city again mm. and had drawn close to a couple of people there in Los Angeles. And the relationship that we had was we would hang out and have a drink on a Friday for one person. Another person was just like long late night hangouts, but they're telling me they're, they're telling me like the deepest drama of their life and crying. Mm. It's basically like a three hour five-hour therapy session and I'm somehow in this role listening and being a good listener and offering very neutral advice and trying to get to know like every nuance of the situation to like be there for this person and this thing and I would love for that right that's an awesome thing but it's also there's a profession for that and there's a reason why (laughs) you don't do this to your friends (laughs) but I mean it it was it's an amazing thing on some level but I, I made me think like I felt so drained and used and like I'm wasting my weekends. Um, and then it's of course like unhealthy cause we're like also drinking through it. So it's mm-hmm. like another negative unhealthy mm-hmm. coping mechanism for trauma or negative or so deep emotions or something like what, what was it about that religion that this is a role that's to be played in a friendship mm-hmm. or a relationship? And I, I don't know the answer to the question, but I wonder if like maybe that was playing out for you yeah, um, or if that was playing out for me and it has something to do with like a man's role in the religion or just like something cultural mm-hmm. in general with the religion. Yeah, Thoughts on that? It certainly played out that way for me too. And that's what I've asked myself a lot lately, how you, if you connect with people who have also left, you know, your, your cult, um, how you make friendships without trauma bonding and without being, there in a sense to as you said rescue that person or listen to all their woes especially especially if they've more recently come out and you've been out of it for a lot longer by contrast like i can't have i haven't found someone who will sit for more than like three minutes to Mm -hmm. listen to my experience of being in this religion or leaving it i'll talk to you scott average human. (laughs) i'll I'll talk to you mate yeah i'll talk to you too scott i'm um i've I've got lots of time my ears have got lots of time Sorry, Scott. I it's not healthy. It's not yeah. healthy to do that. <laughs> I don't know what's well, healthy, but it makes me wonder. Like no one else mm, will do that, but why will we do that? Why mm, will we sit for hours and listen to someone? There's, there's. Um, I, I think you're totally right. I do, I do genuinely believe that. Um, I was trained to do that. I think that was, mm-hmm. that was the training I received. Whether that's being a, a man in the organization or just, um just being trained to do that as as a way to ultimately uh bring somebody in the organization you know there's almost an element that be a good listener Mm. and um you know i think there's some some of that but you are kind of trained to be that sort of person i think um if if you knock on a door um on the ministry or you have a bible study that that has had problems you know then again you become like um an amateur therapist and you see that as a great opportunity don't you to listen Mm -hmm. and um in the olden days get some time in um (laughs) and but also you know you're you're building up a rapport with this person you're you're building up a relationship with them and this this will help you to bring them in to have a bible study and get them to the kingdom hall which then means they they get that uh, love bombing there as well and that so that's all part i think of the training so yeah mm-hmm. i totally i totally think it is scott I, it is we were trained to be that that person that sits and listens to people and um tries to um to help them it was always with a an ulterior motive of course but um that's how i feel anyway that's that's my experience one of the uh, places where i've gotten something like that was sitting on an airplane nowhere to go no internet connection oh. complete stranger who will never see you again for the rest mm-hmm. of your life probably um, unless you decide to exchange contacts which almost never happens mm-hmm. so you can actually people will say like the most real <laughs> honest things to you on an airplane less now with um like movies on a on the other seat in front of you but just to think of like another example where something like that happened, but those are like really refreshing because like you both have nothing to lose. And I was going to say it's different, you isn't it? You just just um, yeah, you you sort of make a friend on the plane and that and that's it. Um, Vincent, you were you were shaking your head. It's not your experience. Um, no, I find Jehovah's Witnesses good listeners. Interesting. I find them very. Um, they're they're they so talk a lot. to make their point, mm. but mm. 
they don't you know i i was talking to a man at the, one of the carts and and he annoyed me you know because he asked me a question and then when i was um proceeding to say he it was obvious just see laughing at me as oh well this silly worldly person will just switch him on and let him chunter away and and he's got nothing to offer because that's how they feel there's that nobody else has anything to offer because they've got the truth they know everything yeah um, they know everything about cosmology everything about history everything about archaeology <laughs> everything about um psychology you know they just know everything so mm. there's no point in listening to anyone so i honestly don't find, find a good listeners <laughs> and if you considered as well that it's a group of ex-witnesses so maybe you guys are maybe a bit more empathetic potentially yeah maybe we're different aren't we we're, we're the ones that aren't in anymore yeah, just gonna have to throw that out there the, 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 Bible, one. the bible study with you know he will talk and talk you know mm. he, he he but then i'm not some weeping wilting you know i'm not sort of saying oh i really need something you know i know mm. um, i desperately see my parents in the rest yeah you know, i don't feel like that there's no, you know it's just to me it's just an intellectual yeah thing. yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think vincent's absolutely right um uh, it, it depends on what kind of interaction you're having with the witness mm. in question you know if if you're somebody who needs help or you just suffered a bereavement, or you're in some kind of personal crisis, I think witnesses will be really good listeners because that's an in. Mm. But if your interaction is based uh, like around a theological debate, then you might as well be talking to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, that's well put, Riley. I think that's, that's kind of... Um helping us to sort of close that circle a bit yeah 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 i think that's right now i think about it yeah um debating on the um, in the ministry yeah you, you weren't interested in other people's opinions at all so i think you're i think that's it that's that's where you don't get a good listening ear but but yes if you've got a problem or if somebody's got a problem then you can as you said riley it's an it's an in definitely before we finish i wanted to just give a thought to and it just happens that we've we didn't really arrange this around Christmas time for any particular reason, but um, it, it is around Christmas time, as we can mm -hmm. see from some of our jumpers, um, which, you know, if you haven't got your Christmas jumper on, well, that's fine. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I've got snowman I didn't get the memo. earrings on today. Oh, you got snowman earrings on. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> I didn't yeah. get the memo, sorry. <laughs> um, but anyway, I was thinking that I think that's a particularly tricky time, especially for mm. you if you've fairly recently left, or maybe um, even if left quite some time ago. Is there any, anything that um, we're obviously we're not um, therapists, we're not going to give psychological advice, but any sort of things that have helped us um, if we felt a bit down, um, not necessarily around Christmas, but just in terms of how to cope with low feelings of loneliness and finding friendships. Is there anything that we can kind of, say to those people listening that might be in a similar boat my solution has been to leave well i'm from usa so in usa like every single store has decorations and christmas music mm -hmm. and that always makes me squirrely and everyone's talking about their plans and they're planning to go to an exclusive party um, where everything's going to be awesome and they're going to see their family and travel and they're really excited and anxious and anticipating it and it's like 30 to 60 days of that and that yeah. that thing you can't participate in that you have no connection to that you will just be sitting lonely mm -hmm. for the whole week or two it's like i i still get squirrely after 15 years about it and i've never celebrated christmas properly um so my solution has been to go do something where people don't really celebrate christmas like leave the country for a month <laughs> and just ignore that the half of the planet is doing that thing yeah. <laughs> and go have some fun like you have some new experiences that's been i don't know if you can afford that but there are some really mm -hmm. affordable places to go in the world Great. change location that's a that's a great bit of advice i kind of just take the lead from my husband's family um when we're together you know for the holidays and stuff like that i just um kind of go with the flow with them because you know i have no background no memories of my own to to mm -hmm. fall back on so i kind of just you know ride along the, the the wave along with them and then and that usually works well for me and and then i have a best friend that i grew up with and uh she also lives in new jersey where i am uh and she's about an hour and a half from here and i was i the last few years i've gone down to visit her for a couple of days and we celebrate new years and kind of reminisce about when we were growing up together and um and that so that that's something that i look forward to 
um, you kind of you have to kind of make your own memories, just like mm. you make your own family or make your own friends or however. That's just kind of how I get through this time of year. Right. Thanks, Marianne. Anybody else? Yeah, that's that's been my experience as well. I mean, um, I'm fortunate enough. Well, I say fortunate, but it's all relative. Um, my wife, Marsha, is an absolute Christmas fanatic. She she actually used to work at the Christmas store. Okay. She she for, she for a time freelanced as a uh, professional Christmas tree decorator. I mean, she she oh absolutely she absolutely loves Christmas. Uh, in, in fact, when we first got together, I was still mentally in. Mm. It was almost a deal breaker for us that I oh, wasn't wow. really into into Christmas, but. Um, I've I've just since then I've just thrown myself into it, absolutely thrown myself into it head first, and I love Christmas almost as much as her. <laughs> um, we've had Christmas decorations up in in the house since the middle of November. Oh, crumbs! <laughs> we, just, we just couldn't wait. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we've got her son and his wife coming over next week to spend Christmas with us. Right, yeah. and um, yeah, we, we've we've. My experience has been to f- make a new family and form new traditions with them, mm. you know, for, for the Christmas period. I'm absolutely loving it. Great. This is great. Anybody yeah. else? For me, um, my my dad was never a witness. And so when I was, was um, I was an only child. I am an only child. But um, so he was, my kid is not missing out on, hol- on celebrating. So I did all the. And my mom joined us. So we all, she was inactive when I was born. So we did all the holidays until I was 12. And then oh. I started studying and decided to stop on my own. Wow. And um, so, so now getting back into it, it hasn't been quite as hard for me because I had that background. But um, my husband and my, my boys never had um, Christmas. So we're just slowly kind of getting back back into it and i'm trying to remember some of my dad's old you know things that we did and sticking about trying to make like christmas cookies and all he used to mm-hmm. make all the candy and mm-hmm. all that stuff i haven't gone that far yet but so it's just been a slow slow process and adding things each year onto what we do right um yeah I, I think for us it was probably a bit easier because um celine was a child so um you've kind of got a great excuse or there is a motivation to to get into this thing that kids do love you know they they love decorating Mm -hmm. the tree and getting the tree and obviously presents who doesn't like presents as kids um and so that we we could we could just we did it for her you know but obviously we we got involved as well so we we grew to absolutely love it because of that and so yeah as as one of you said you are essentially you're creating your own christmas traditions from scratch which has its own um fun associated with it you know it's kind of great that you can do that there's also lots of things that you don't have to do that other people do you know so we don't have that many relatives to buy christmas presents for (laughs) we don't have to have a big christmas meal where all the family that argue with each other have to pretend to, to like each other for a, for a day you know we don't have to do any of that so we and we we don't you know so we we just do what we want to do and we enjoy it um as an atheist i, I don't believe in any of the religious stuff um for me it's a it's a cultural um thing and it means that we can connect um with the culture that we never were allowed to and that is the thing that these groups stole from us and that's that's one of the things that we can take back having said that if you're like scott or other people that i've spoken to that don't really care about christmas and some people don't even like it that is also cool you shouldn't celebrate it if you don't want to and you shouldn't feel pressured the the only i've never bothered with christmas very much but i've just done it through my music really i mean i'm retired now but i was a um, I used to run a music department in a school. I used to do a really elaborate Christmas concert and, mm-hmm. you know, and choir and orchestra and all sorts of things. And then, and that was it. You know, once the term was over, <laughs> that, that was that was my Christmas. That was yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
So that that gave you focus. You you and Scott need to need to yeah. talk. That, yeah, that's really fascinating. I, I want to know more about your. Uh, how, yeah. how how was that for you? You got like twenty hundred. How many kids were involved in your concerts? Oh, now I'm a podcast host. Two hundred, maybe. Yeah. Wow, it's yeah. amazing. Stephen, you know what I'd like to know? I'd like to know oh. what Celine's opinion is about our our lot here, our Motley crew, as mm. someone who wasn't raised as J Dub, mm. and didn't have to worry about mm-hmm. about the whole rules of making friends. What does she think about all of us? <laughs> but I think I, mean, I don't know. I think I it's interesting in the sense that uh, so mum and dad left at a similar time. What they left at um, when I was new, <laughs> when I was coming into <laughs> consciousness. Um, but it's in so we were making friends at the same time i guess do you know what i mean so like when i'm making friends they're making their new group of friends um and you know so like my, some of my best friends are my uh, their parents and my mum's best friends so that was really nice for us so we were making friends at the same time um or like um a couple of your friends dad from work that left the country now they don't live here anymore but I used to love them as well when we were all getting to you know when you were getting to make friends with them and mm. stuff like that so I, I don't know it's um it's interesting I think um it's just it's just part of of life and like I just I remember for me I, I don't think of it in any different way of like I don't remember them like making friends with new people at that point in their lives and thinking that's weird because that was just what was happening right. <laughs> and you can make friends anytime um and I think I've made lots of different friends, despite the fact I wasn't raised in that um, religion. I've made lots of different friends at lots of different stages of life as well. And some that you keep and some that you don't um, just because you drift apart or, or that sort of thing. And I think that's that's natural and fine as well. Um, it's really interesting to hear the sort of inner working of like what everyone was thinking at the time when you're making friends, because you don't get to hear the other side of what it's like, you know, when whenever you're trying to make a friendship with somebody. um you don't hear what the inner dialogue of a person is thinking when you're going through that. So it's just an interesting conversation to have with anybody. I remember when I was trying to make friends with someone at work that we're now really good friends and we meet pretty regularly for D and D and that sort of thing. We have a great time, but like took me ages to work up the courage to just get him to like meet us at the pub. But I was just like, a few a few beers in i was like come on meet us at the pub that sort of thing you know i think it's it's awkward no matter what when when you're an adult trying to make friends it's always a bit awkward (laughs) um but yeah it was just it's interesting just to hear the internal dialogues from everybody of that that weird awkward time (laughs) we're all all feeling it (laughs) i think as you get old you become um i certainly have noticed that i'm less worried about um you know, it doesn't bother mm. me so much now. You know, I, I I have some friends that I absolutely love and um, they mean a lot to me and some that I don't see at all and they'll send, um, or very much at all, um, they'll send a WhatsApp or something to a group chat. Um, so I've got a group of friends who I, I did a project with a couple of years ago, oh, five years ago, um, and I hardly see them really. Now and again we'll meet up, but they mean so much to me. It's just mm-hmm. a, a type of friendship that I'd never had before, and it's just great. Um, but we can go months without speaking, and um, that's fine. I was so really I think, pleased when you got friends with those guys. Yeah. I remember saying to myself, oh, that's really good. I'm really pleased about that. Little Different sort of friendships, yeah. which I'd not really mm-hmm. had before. Um, so, yeah, but I think you get less worried about it as you get older. That, that's my experience anyway. I, I don't I – don't, I'm not anxious about making friends. Um, it happens and that's great when it does. I feel the same. You know, I've got, unfortunately, lo- no local friends where I am now, but I've got three very close friends that have been, some of them have been, you know, 30-year-long friendships. And mm. I'm just very happy that there are, you know, you, you do, when you leave, you wonder if you're going to meet anyone, but you do. You do. You know, you yeah. do meet people that care about you and, you know, it's an equal thing then. I was just wondering, does anybody send Christmas cards to people that they had, you know, were friends in the past and just want to keep in contact with them? Just say hi at least once a year, just to sort of um, say, you know, still here and how are you kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I do. I, I, I send Christmas cards every year, but they're, they're mostly to XJWs and people like friends that I've met through work. 
But funny enough, last night, um, Marsha and I went to a gin tasting event <laughs> at, a, at a local pub. This pub was so cool. It's very, um, it, it was closed down for quite some time, but it, it was established in the before the 50s, I think. But yes, recently reopened, and it's more like a community center that serves alcohol rather than <laughs> than, than a pub. <laughs> they put on different events, so um, we went to this gin tasting experience for a, a, a local brand of gin. I mean, really, really local. Mm. I mean, the name of the gin is the name of where we live. Mm. Um, and we met some really nice people there that we would definitely love to keep in touch with. But thinking about it now, if I had been at this event more closer to the time when I left the organization, I would have been chasing those people down for yeah. their phone numbers. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but I, dealt, I dealt with it a lot more casually hmm. than, than, I, than I'm sure I would have if it was closer to the time when I left. I mean, the next time we go to the pub, if, if we see them there, I'm sure we'll get chatting with them hmm. and, because they're all local people as well. And eventually... You know, if we run into them enough times, we will become friends. But I don't see it as as being such a huge imperative to chase down yeah. friendships as I did when I, when I was newly out. Yeah, right. that's that desperation thing again, isn't it? That's what I was like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, anybody? Um, any final words before we uh, we bid farewell, Vincent? But may I just mention something called the friendship paradox? Oh, go on. The other day, um, that if you think other people have more friends than you have, it can be mathematically and statistically proved uh, through network theory and statistics that most of your friends will have more friends than you. And it's nothing to do with you being more lonely. You you can look it up. Just look it up. The friendship (laughs) paradox. Friend, it's called the friendship. I came okay. across it just the other day before we came to this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe stick it in the show notes, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll put a link. I'll find the um, I'll find some stuff about it. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they say um, you know, obviously with Facebook and other social media, um, obviously we have many more people that we have this label of friend, um, but. Um, generally speaking, people don't have huge, great swathes of people that they're close to. They they have a small circle of close friends and then mm-hmm. lots of people they know. Um, and our social media contacts are more of the latter than, than the former, um, I would suggest. Um, uh, the one thing I will say, um, if nobody's got anything else to sort of uh, finish on, then what, what I want to say is is how nice it's been to do this podcast and get to know people from the XJW and other X communities through this, through this podcast and through talking to people and people reach out through the messages and get to talk to people. Um, and that has actually opened my world quite a lot more than I expected to. So although we did the podcast as a father and daughter thing, for me, it's, it's opened my world into areas, you know, I get to speak to people from all over the world you know, uh, two years ago, three years ago, somebody said to me, um, what are the time zones in the US? I would have absolutely zero idea um, because I never spoke to anybody from anywhere, really. And and yet now the world has um, come much closer to me. So, you know, I feel grateful that um, that's been able to happen and that you here today um, represent that. So it's been great to talk to you. Thank you very much for being part of, of this uh, of this Patreon takeover. It's been a pleasure. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And Stephen, I think what would be a really great idea is to come up with a Christmas ornament for next year called the Dancing Stephen. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I would pay to see that. Yeah, well, you know, the hips have gone a bit now, so um, I can't demonstrate, but we could. Um, somebody, I'm sure, could do a like a, an animation version of it, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> this was great, guys. Yeah. Thanks for the invitation. Thank this you. Was thank lots of thank you so thank much, you. Stephen and Celine, for running, you know, the podcast. It's just an, an amazing um, thing to learn about. And the thing that I've loved about your podcast and others is that we – we XJWs are not the only ones who've been through a lot of shit, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that can help people not feel so alone, yeah. you know, and, and you know, just 
really helps to not feel so alone. Great. Thanks, Thanks Tanya. And thank you, everybody. Thanks for being part of it. And uh, thank you for listening. Um, yeah, don't forget to uh, to follow on any of those apps that you're using. Um, and also, of course, we've got two other a couple of, of other podcasters and so on. So uh, don't forget to check out Riley's Jexit channel on the YouTube and the Witness Underground podcast um, and obviously that exciting stuff. Um, Scott, we can't let you go actually without a quick update. Um, you did, you, you achieved the goal for the Witness Underground um, campaign. Yeah. So congratulations to you for that. That was fantastic. Well thank done. You. Yeah, thank you. We, we finished our goal for Kickstarter and now it's been a month, almost exactly and it's been and now it's there's a lot to kickstarter so i I want everyone to know that this is possible and i Mm. wanted to bring people into this um i know steven got involved on some level and and riley we talked about it a little bit um but there's like a whole fulfillment side of it so i'm I'm like deep in the weeds on like getting (laughs) stuff out to people but um we got a team of people that are helping do that so that's where it's at as far as the update goes um i have to recut the film to add the new producers and um and then we're making some of the extras this week with Ryan. So some cool great. stuff's happening. Great. This, we're this close. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that was great. Well done for, for achieving the goal. Great. Well, thank you very much. Um, see you all next time. And uh, thanks for listening to Cult Hackers. And join us, people. Become patrons, patrons like us. And then you can have fun with us, eh, Stephen, when we all get on Zoom. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> thanks, Tanya, for the ad. I had to break well, in with yeah. that since that, that hadn't been mentioned today. So... Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, become a patron and, and you you too can be part of um, this little gang. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye. Bye.